Dr. J Interviews is a collection of candid conversations with good black professional men regarding life and career choices. I'm your host, Dr. J McCarthy. I want to welcome to my show, Dr. Tyus. How you doing today, brother? I'm great, man. Thank you for having me. Hey, man, I appreciate it, man. We, you know, we've been trying to schedule this for a couple of weeks. We're a busy guy. So I appreciate you carving out some time for us today, man. Wow. I'm excited, man. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to the great conversation. Sure. Oh, awesome, brother. So let's just go ahead and dive right in, man. Tell our audience, what do you do for a living? So what do I do for a living? I, I do quite a few things. Some people call it jack of all trades, but uh, I hate that uh, term for myself. But I, I definitely do uh, a lot of speaking. Uh, I do. I, I'm, I speak. I do a lot of lecturing. Um, I write books. I'm an author. And uh, I have a program called the ID Movement. Uh, which focuses on mentoring young men of color which out with, that don't have dads in their lives. Um, I also do some some teaching work, some professor work at Mid American Christian University, and I, I'm a pastor here in the city as well. Nice, nice. Walk me through a typical day. What's a typical day for you, brother? A typical day for me. So right now I'm teaching at a middle school as well. So uh, I wake up early, early in the morning, and uh, I I get ready. Uh, kiss my baby good night uh bye bye and 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 my wife I, I tell them uh bye as they still sleep and I pray with them as I go um and I pretty much head out for the day and uh really spend a lot of time teaching uh some kids right now history and um after doing that I usually in, in between um teaching kids about history classes I'm also taking a lot of calls whether it's pastoral calls um whether it is uh, counseling calls for some of the members that I serve, um, or if it's um, some real estate call, uh, calls as well. I'm a real estate agent as well on the side. So uh, uh, doing that, working on projects for the ID movement. And so a day can look like anything to me, man. It can look crazy to me. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's multiple things. Come home, take care of the wife, take care of the uh, daughter, and uh, make sure we, we cook food and um, and then we definitely try to spend some time with God and being a pastor. I got to try to squeeze some personal devotion in there and uh, be about my business and be on my way to do it again the next Absolutely. day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is going to be kind of a loaded question. Um, and I know that because of the nature of your work, I'm not talking specifically you, but uh, kind of the gist of this mentoring as well. Young bros looking at you and career paths for teaching, for uh, being in real estate. Can you give them like a ballpark salary of what to expect in these different ventures and things that you're a part of? Yeah. So uh, when it comes to real estate, as you know, real estate, especially from the sales end as a uh, agent, it is uh, more so sales. So it depends heavily on your contacts, your follow through, um, the type of people that you connect to. And uh, so that that can vary from making a sell a month to uh, making a sale every three months, but it depends on the market. It depends on um, all of those things. So um, you can make some good money. So typically the um, the commission check from uh, an agent is typically about 3%, 3 to 4%. So 4% on if you're a selling agent, if you're helping the uh, 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 person that owns the property sell the property, or if you are uh, helping somebody uh, buy a property, you're getting 3%. So if that is um, $100,000 home, so you're looking at roughly $3,000 commission check. Um, now okay. you have to split that with the brokerage firm that you're with, and those splits come in different ways. So different brokerage firms look at the split differently. So uh, some of them might be a 30-70 split. 
Some of them might be an 80-20 split, and you have to be able to cut them 20% of that 3000 and then you collect the rest. Now, they come in, they help you with training, they help you with all of your marketing, they help you with all of that type of stuff. So um, that's how it looks when it comes to real estate from an agent's perspective. Now, from a speaking perspective, you can make a lot of money, but it depends on the brand that you develop. It depends on uh, the market that you're speaking to. Um, so, uh, you can make some good money. I, I recently, uh, I'll, I'll share, I recently, uh, just did a, a, uh, workshop that I did for eight long hours on career development for some young men and nice. the check was $5,000 for that. So it can, uh, you can get paid decent money for speaking and training. Um, now when it comes to book sales, uh, book sales is different, right? Now, uh, you can be able to, uh, Let's say the average person, I believe, only sells a hundred copies of their book. So if you're selling your book for twenty dollars, you know, then you're you're looking at a couple of thousand dollars as far as income. Now, a lot of times people use that to uh get speaking engagements, to get training opportunities, uh, definitely if it's not on a large scale as far as publishing concerned. So mm-hmm. it varies. Great. So I remember when I, so uh, my guests know I'm from Ohio as well. When I was there, I worked for a mortgage company for a little bit. We'll talk Mm -hmm. about the real estate side for a second. And they had, uh, what was the name of that school? Hondros College? Yeah. Yeah. That's where I went. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say that. What did you suggest for young brothers that wanted to get into real estate that don't necessarily want to go the path of college? Yeah, man. So me, my journey was I got my bachelor's degree. Um, I majored in business administration with a double minor in marketing and management with my undergrad. And then with my graduation money, I uh, used that money to pay for my classes in Hondros. So um, nice. because I wanted to do real estate as well, always, you know, so people that want to get into real estate and don't want to take the college route, I don't always think that you, you have to take that route. That is a very... Uh, route that maybe our generation has been used to, the generations before it's definitely were used to, but um, now we see a lot of people taking alternative routes. Um, so definitely Hondros College, which is, um, I went for three weeks and I was able to uh, prepare, take the class for three weeks and I wanted to go get my real estate license and that can be your career. So you can invest, I believe at that point it was $850 for that. And you don't need the uh, same amount of money um, that you would need to go to traditional college. So some people may go through uh, the appraisal route, right? Mm-hmm. So you got the agent route, which is very saturated, overly saturated, if you will. And then you have appraisers, which makes averagely over $50,000 and they work way, way less hours. So uh, yeah. so it's just different ways that to make money in real estate and, and to get education that way. Definitely. And you said you teach as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a teacher. Huh? Say it again, sir. What's the range for that? Would you say for, I don't know, it varies from high school to, to college. Yeah. So you're talking about like, uh, like middle school teachers, it, it varies. So I work at a private school, so you can range from, uh, 30 to $40,000 base salary teaching the middle school students. Um, I stepped in just as a chaplain and then I uh, was doing some Bible courses and then the uh, superintendent was a good friend of mine and she asked me to um, step in as a substitute. I had extra time. So I said, yeah, I'll do some substitute. And here I am now teaching their, her class uh, for history. Uh, so it varies, right? So uh, that can go from 30 to 40. 
Um, I also teach at Mid American Christian University as a professor there, and that ranges. So whenever they need you, me, I teach five uh, five week course, um, and you can I make about uh, what, are, what do I make there? I make probably about fifteen hundred dollars just for teaching a five week course. So that's awesome. not bad if you look at the time that you put into. I see that's the reason I wanted to speak with. I love hearing brothers finding different ways, multiple ways of income supporting their family. Mm-hmm. What would you say the favorite, your favorite part of your day is? Favorite part of my day is actually getting home, spending time with my family. That's the favorite part. Um, you know, uh, spending time with that little baby girl of mine who's about to turn two, and mm-hmm. uh, seeing my wife and uh, smile on her face, coming home, being stressed out because she's a medical social worker, so. Right oh, now, wow. during COVID, she is on the front line in the hospital, but she serves as a social worker. So um, it, coming home very stressed, you know, we both have very stressful jobs in different ways. So um, just getting home is the yeah. best time, you know, that evening is the best for me. I hear you. So for my listeners out there, uh, Dr. Tyus did say he's a jack of all trades. I want to read something because you're really being modest, you know, you're an accomplished brother here. So. I'm going to read something, a little blurb that I, I saw in. <laughs> so it says, Dr. Tyus, he's a sought-after inspirational speaker, lecturer, and presenter. He's spoken to thousands of youth and young adults across the nation. He's presented to high schools, colleges, churches, leadership conferences, and nonprofit organizations across the country. He's also been recognized for his work by the Ohio House of Representatives, and he was a recipient of the Dr. Martin Luther King Ohio Social Justice Award for his work in the community and his passion in advancing change. He earned his bachelor's in business administration with a dual minor in marketing and management. He attained his master's degree in pastoral counseling, and he earned his doctorate degree in, from the United Theological Seminary, where the title of his dissertation was Designing and Mentoring Program for Fatherless Black Males in a Postmodern Generation. Brother, you out there doing it, man. You're doing it today, and I applaud you, man. I, and Thank I, you, man. Part of this show is celebrating you, so I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, read that to our listeners so they know exactly what kind of character that we're dealing with here. I just want to tell the guys how I actually found you. Actually, I was, I was interviewing a buddy of yours. And after the interview concluded, it cut off. Uh, we stopped recording and we talked for an hour, you know? Yeah. And we were just talking about mentoring and whatnot. And he was just like, I got this buddy. I got to go ahead and put you in contact with. Uh, he, he's really into mentoring. You guys sound similar, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he mentioned the ID movement. So yeah. I want to pause right here and I want you to discuss, uh, explain to our listeners what the ID movement is. So the ID movement, excuse me for uh, being very spiritual, but I am a pastor, a very spiritual man, but uh, yes. I was in prayer and the idea of the ID movement came to me in the middle of prayer. And, um, and I was dealing with a lot of issues that I have gone through as a child. So I lost my dad when I was eight years old to colon cancer. My dad was a great dad. You know, he was around. He was very active in the lives of, of my brother and sister and my mom and fantastic. And then one day he came home and said, you know, I've been having stomach problems, went to the doctor and they said, I have colon cancer. So in a matter of a few months, he passed away. So I was really in oh, prayer wow. dealing with a lot of pain that um, I had buried and didn't deal with. And um, I was really seeking for my own personal identity. Who am I as a man? You know, And, uh, you know, I know what the world says I am. I know what skin color I am, but my identity, who am I, you know? And I, as I was really dealing with that, the idea of the ID movement came to me. And it was idea that all men can really 
uh, help help all helping all men in really different ways to discover their own personal identity. So the I stands for inspired and the D stands for develop, because I, I truly, truly believe you can't develop anybody without first inspiring them to do so. So uh, I have attended a lot of conferences that focus on just developing people, but they weren't trying to inspire people. So uh, I'm looking at uh, trying to help men of all colors, creeds to, you know, really self-identify themselves. And we started with really mentoring young men of color that didn't have dads in their lives. So um, me, when I went to my doctorate program, a part of that process was to dig deep into your past and to try to discover, um, discover your own pain, right? And if you discovered your own pain, you would realize where your purpose is. And uh, so as I was going through that process, they had us just write down our life, write down our life. And as I was going through writing down my life, I realized one of my main pain points in my life was the absence of my father. And from that point, um, I realized, OK, this is where I'm called to help. Um, so I had already went through a healing process, but now it was time for me to turn around, reach back and help those that have dealt with the exact same thing that I've dealt with. And um, that's absenteeism in the home, especially from the area of fatherlessness. And, um, so um, I developed the ID movement. The ID movement is a mentoring program that helps these men deal with the pain of the loss of their father, um, teaches them how to forgive their father for not being around, teaches them how to honor and respect themselves, how to honor and respect others, their mothers, uh, teach them such as professional development, career development, whether they want to go in the next five years. Um, so a lot of things that your father would really instill into you, character development, um, that's what we've done. And we, we've spent a lot of time important to the lives of young men, especially in the inner city that just didn't have the opportunity to have a dad around. So, uh, we, we've thus, since then we've, we've moved into different phases. So we have mentoring phases, but we also have community event phases. So we've, we've done things like uh, the ID movement presents a conversation with the fathers where we've gone downtown to the Lincoln Theater. I believe you're familiar with Columbus. Yes. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I lived in Columbus for 10 years. I met my wife at a, from Dayton and met my wife at Ohio State, and then we lived there 10 years. So, Yeah, so downtown Lincoln Theater, we, we had a lot of great events there. Uh, we, we've, we've made some books called Voices of the Fathers, Letters to the Millennial Leader, uh, where we've had men of the community write letters to uh, the millennial generation, specifically the, the millennial leaders that are looking to take their place. Mm -hmm. They wrote letters to this and, and uh, describing their highs and lows, triumphs and victories and failures and how to learn from them. So it's a collage of thoughts from different le uh, different fathers within the community. Um, so it was ranging oh. from people like um, Jerry Ravish, who was on 10 TV News, mm -hmm. to... Uh, uh, Kurt Moody, who is the founder of Moody and Nolan, which is the first billion dollar architecture firm owned by a black man and uh, all the way to Bishop Timothy J. Clark, who's the uh, pastor of First Church. So it's a collage of thoughts from all these people. You know, Bishop Clark is our former pastor. Yeah. We were, yeah, we were there. And I was looking at that. And like you said, I saw Jerry Revis. You had uh, Dr. Michael Drake. OSU, the president of OSU. Man, for you to get a Charles Booth, that was my buddy's uh, yeah. old pastor prior to, you know, rest in peace. Um, beautiful thing, man, that you were able to get those people together to do that project, actually. 
I'm about to order that book, man. I just saw it before we interviewed, and I was looking mm-hmm. at it. I was like, man, that's that's a phenomenal project. Yeah, it's cool. And, and like you were saying, the link in for our listeners, I'm going to post a link because I believe you have one of those on YouTube I was watching. Yeah. the the uh, the uh, I believe it's the Conversation with the Fathers events. I yes. have two of those posted on our YouTube page for sure. That is mm-hmm. awesome. That is awesome. And, I, you know, I think, and like I said, I want to applaud you again because I know there's a lot of resistance in our community. Sometimes we have this crab in the barrel mentality. I don't want to get too far deep into that, but mm-hmm. you have a good spirit on you. I can even sense it through the video. And for you to be able to get those people together, mm-hmm. you know, putting egos aside, if someone may have an ego, I don't know, I'm not speculating, right. but, but, you know, when you have people at a certain level for them to all to humble themselves and get together and see the bigger picture, mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful thing, man, beautiful yeah. thing. One of the notes that I had on here, too, I was interested. You kind of touched on a little bit. I'm interested in your dissertation, designing a mentoring program for fatherless black males in a postmodern generation. I want to read that. Yeah. It's serious. It's serious. You know, I have to publish that. I haven't published that yet, but I'm thinking my another book, more so at the end of 2021, will be that. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm leaning towards that. We have another book coming out in January. but. Uh, maybe at the end of the year, that's the one I'm leaning for uh, to be a follow up. So. so along the lines of that book, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, let's dive into your past a little bit. Uh, sure. T- tell me about your childhood growing up. So, yeah, uh, amazing childhood, if you will. Um, challenges, of course, but amazing childhood because I had a, a fantastic mother and a fantastic father. And uh, that's the foundation to uh, a good childhood. And I had a great dad who was about 6'4", 250 pounds, uh, referee basketball, very strong black man. Uh, (laughs) And my mom, who was a very sweet woman, very filled with love. She is now. Everybody loves her. Everybody calls her mom. She got that mom spirit. And so I had a very good balance of dad being very strong and then mother being very supportive and loving and kind and nurturing. And uh, I was the youngest. I was the baby. I have an older brother and older sister here in Columbus, Ohio, and it it was a great childhood up until about seven years old. You know, um, I remember even mom and dad kissing me at night, praying with me before we went to bed. It was that type of childhood. Like, okay, what what better childhood could you have? And then again, my father got colon cancer when I was about seven years old, and uh, a month after my eighth birthday, he passed away. Um, so he had just started the church, which I'm now the assistant pastor of. My mother's a senior pastor. And um, he started the ministry. And it was about a year and a half into the pastor that he passed. So it was a, it was a baby ministry. It was growing. It was being very uh, impactful in the community. And um, he passed away. So it was not just the loss of our family, but the loss of so many other people that was looking at him as a spiritual leader. and. Um, Grew up there. And so that had a major blow to me. I remember going to school and having teachers tell me that I would never be anything in life. And uh, I I remember one specific example of uh, I used to hate math, right? Uh, Math and science was my worst subject. So um, I was in math tutoring. And I remember telling my teacher, I believe I had the work. I understood. I had practiced the night before and I had ran outside. I said, she said, go get your pencil, John, you know. And uh, make sure you bring your pencil in and then we'll go over it. I'm excited to see. And so I, I ran out 
to go to my locker and I realized I left my book bag in the actual classroom. So it was, my pencil was in my book bag, not in my locker. So I returned early to the room and I opened the door to the room and I heard telling the whole entire class that John was an idiot. He don't know nothing and he'll never be anything in life. And um, that boy's just, that boy's an idiot. He just, he's a stupid. He just don't know what he is. And all that stuff. And that had a negative impact on me and my, my my confidence and who what my identity was, you know, and that was very painful to me. And so I spent years and years trying to overcome those lies that had been planted. So she wasn't the only teacher. There's other teachers that have told me that would single me out in front of the whole class and just have uh, just make fun of me in front of the class, and the class, class stuff like that. Just really had a negative impact on my life. You know? So, but what kept me grounded was my church family, my mother. And that kept me believing and kept me going forward. And I believe God obviously had other plans for me. So I was close to flunking out of high school. I was on academic probation two times at Columbus State. So you know Columbus State is a community college and it's a two-year college. (laughs) I was at Columbus State for five years, right? (laughs) Five years. And I had people like my friend Avery who was just excelling in every way, uh, you know, academically. And I was over here struggling, you know. and Went, uh, took the same math course even five times at Columbus State as well. So I was, I was at a very, very low point in my life, you know, and, uh, and then I really started to focus on my relationship with God. I was in bad relationships with a female. I was skipping school, excuse me, I was skipping school and it was just all bad, man. And, um, I remember one day Avery grabbing me by the shoulders and saying, man, John, wake up. You got to be better than this. And that, that, that helped me. You know, and I, I began to grow my relationship with God, and that gave me the strength to let go of the bad relationship. And I, my A, and my Fs and Ds turned to As and Bs at that point. So everything changed for me. So yeah, that's what it's been on, been about at this point. Brother, I, I appreciate you being transparent in that moment because so I coach a lot of kids. You know, and people think, oh, I was raised in the inner city, so I yeah. lived on both sides of the railroad tracks. And you know, you think that you absolve from problems because you live in different communities, but these kids are going through so much stuff in their homes now. Um, yeah. Just all kinds of issues with divorce and abuse and things of these nature. And mm-hmm. it's good to hear a brother And part of the part of the reason I want to do this podcast. I want to have a collection of brothers that are transparent about their past and show, Hey, I messed up. I was at this level, just like you. Mm-hmm. I had people that weren't speaking life into me. You know, yeah. that, that happened in our generations. We had a, <laughs> We'd laugh about it now. It really wasn't funny. But we had a teacher when we were in high school. She was just like, all y'all failures. I'm looking at this paper in 10 years. And all y'all going to be dead from AIDS. And we just laughing like, what? wow. She was like, all y'all nasty. You're just nasty. Y'all going to oh be dead for AIDS. You know? And it was like some of those negative things, you know, you can let that fester and resonate you and believe that's what your purpose and that's who you are. You know, yeah. and, and, and in your situation, I think. In a lot of people's situation, God sends people in your life, like he sent Avery to you. Certain mm-hmm. people come at, at integral points to kind of like get you back on that path. Like, hey, no, your purpose is bigger than that. But I, it's, it's an awesome testimony to see where you were. And like I said, I tell my kids all the time, you know, I went to Ohio State. I had all this promise and I dropped out, mm-hmm. you know, started raising a family, you know, and it, and it was a road, you know. But like my wife always says, it's not about how fast you get there, you know. You just keep drudging along. So that's right. Absolutely. And look at the man you become. So like I, I, I applaud you again, man. It's, just, it's a beautiful thing to see. 
So at this point, I have three questions that I ask everybody. Mm -hmm. So the first question is, like, we just talked about our past. We know that our past molds who we are. You know, we understand some things we had to go through. But what kind of advice would the older you give to your younger self? Advice I would give to my younger self. Um, well, how young? Your teenage, your teenage years, where you were trying yeah. to find yourself and discover yourself. So this is this is also what I was doing. It my teenage years, I was flunking high school almost, but I was I was fairly popular in high school, right? But I was flunking high school. I was a <laughs> class clown, and um, I did Michael Jackson impersonations, right? So I was known as Michael Jackson. Uh, not only at that point in my high school, but various different high schools. And I used to compete for city competitions and state competitions. And, okay. uh, you get emails from like the, the Apollo Theater. And so you think you can dance. And I used, I used to get down with the get down. Back <laughs> so, but I was so, um, I was so uh, driven by that because I wanted people's adoration at that point. You know, I wanted people's applause at that point because I had no identity. Um, I would tell myself, I would tell myself to not fall in love with the crowd, you know, and to continue on your journey, which I really hadn't started, but to start at least a journey of self-identification. Who are you? You know, and at that point, I probably would have laughed at myself, to be honest with you. I probably, within myself, I would have been respectful because I was a respectful young man, but I would have mm. laughed inside and said, yeah, right. You know, I'm about I'm about these girls. I'm about uh, these hand claps. I'm about uh, dancing and doing all this stuff to make people like me. But um, I would challenge myself to like myself. You know, I would challenge myself to learn to love myself and uh, to discover myself because you can't love something you don't know. And mm. so I had to uh, I would encourage myself to do that. You know, and I think that's so deep right now because these kids, I, I try not to be that type to be like in our generation, you know, one of those heads, but they're dealing with different things that we dealt with and, and how some of people our age want to shun them. You know, our generation is acting a fool on social media, just like them. And that social media, like you said, you, you can, the psychological effects of that, you know, mm -hmm. the, the bullying that occurs to these kids, the getting addicted to these likes and the things you're willing to do to continue to get that affirmation, you know? Yeah. So I think that like you said, it's very important to know who you are. Yeah. It's different now. I mean, this generation now with the social media and the dopamines that gets released into their system, yes. it's the same thing as drugs. It's, it's crazy. And um, it's a different level of bullying because it's a different level of a need for affirmation. Um, I mean, we had outside, you know, we, and, and it, I don't want to be one of those old heads. Yeah, but it's the truth. But the truth is we was outside. We had time to uh, explore the sunshine, explore nature. And it wasn't about being inside. We played some video games here and there, but I'd rather be outside playing basketball, ha uh, racing you and mm -hmm. hide and go seek. You know, it was it was a different level of appreciation for life. Yes. And, um, I, I mean, this generation is what they are. And it is what it is, you know, and I'm sure the generation coming after them, they'll say in our days we was playing games and now y'all doing something else. Yeah. You know, so. yeah. Uh, but it's definitely a different, different time. It is. I, you know, and I try to have conversations with my sons about that, too, because like I tell them, you know, you're, you're a director, you're a producer when you're on social media. You create the persona that you want. And I was like, you can't 
you know, your brain is still developing when you're a teenager. I'm like, I don't want you to get caught up in looking at what people have and thinking that, you know, their lifestyle. I've coached some people, kids that come from very wealthy backgrounds, Mm -hmm. but the kids and I have a relationship and tell you some stuff that comes on, goes on in the home. And it's like, trust me, you don't want to go through what these kids go through, you know, but you won't see that if you're just looking at them having the newest clothes, driving. These kids drive cars crazy, you know, yeah, drop top Mercedes and stuff in our community, you know, doing all these things, you know. You know, just like you said, it's important to know who you are, know what your purpose is. You know, don't put stock into that. You have your own path and your path is great and it may not be monetarily uh, rewarded like, you know, some of the things you see, but. You know, your purpose is bigger than that. So, yeah, and I think they have to know that. I think they have to get to a point where they accept themselves. Uh, This generation is so driven by being accepted by others, but not driven by acceptance of yourself. Oh, man. Uh, And that's very crucial. All this is about what others think about me. Mm -hmm. And they create a caricature, really, of themselves. You're right. They never discover themselves. And that's the key to life is self-discovery. Who are you? Mm-hmm. Do you accept yourself? You got to love yourself. You got to find yourself. And at that point, you can present your authentic self to the world. Exactly. The world will accept that because they're they're used to fakes. So they actually love mm-hmm. somebody that's actually original and authentic, but they don't understand that. So. Amen. Amen. And you know, and along those lines too, you know, how you see, you're start, you probably see gifts in your daughter already at this age. Mm-hmm. As they grow, you start seeing things, you know, and I know a couple of my kids, I see stuff. And I was talking to one of my sons about leadership and, you know, I was just telling him, I was like, you have to understand with leadership, not everyone can see your vision, you know? And if you're one of those people that are really affected by everything that people say about you or, or things that you hear, it can get you off your path. Some things you just know, like you say, you stay in prayer and you know, this is the vision that you have. Yeah. Don't let all that outside noise get you off of that track of what your purpose is. Good stuff. I agree. Second question I have, man. I'm a big proponent of strengthening your mind, body, and spirit. Can you share how you personally strengthen either one or all three of these areas? Mind, body, and spirit. Mind, I definitely strengthen my mind by consuming the right things. And I have a book that I wrote called Mind Elevation, a guide to improving your mental diet in 30 days, right? So I, I am a strong supporter of what is your mental diet like and what are you consuming? So I, I read, I have to read a lot of books. I have to listen to a lot of podcasts. I have to um, listen to sermons and talks on YouTube as I'm driving. I'm never typically at this point, I'm not listening to much, too much music, even though I love music. I'm a musician as well. Uh, but um, I listen to a lot of sermons, listen to a lot of lectures, listen to a lot of interviews because I love uh, to re- uh, listen to the thoughts of others and grow from 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 people in that way, so that's how I feed my mind, my spirit. I definitely spend time in prayer. Spending a lot of time in prayer uh, is is very crucial, and that is what's got me to where I am today. Um, that I will, I became disciplined in my spiritual life, and so I became disciplined in other areas of my life. And and as I began to spend a lot of time in prayer, spend a lot of time fasting, things like that, crucifying my 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 flesh and desires to do everything and just telling, learning to tell myself no for the right reasons. And uh, that's how my spirit grew. Body, I need to continue to work on that. I'm sorry, doctor. 
gotta, I gotta work on my body a little bit more. So uh, we, me and the wife was trying to work out during quarantine, and we was on it, and then we fell off. We backslid, man. We backslid. So uh, we got to get back on the physical piece, right? But that is very crucial as well because that helps your mental. They're all tied together. Yeah. Um, working out physically helps your mind, and it helps it helps you in many ways. So uh, that's how I do it. I agree. I agree. Cool, man. Then one last question I have for you. Is there anything over the course of this conversation that you would like to tell young brothers or anybody that's seeking a career change that we didn't discuss? Seeking a career change? If you are truly seeking a career change, I would encourage you to learn the field. Make sure you have the right motives for for trying to change the career, right? Because I see a lot of people that want to change careers based off of money. And money will never produce happiness. It will just won't. You know, I, I've I've worked at jobs where I've making more money in positions than I do even now. But I was less happier. And I know that's cliche, but it's really the truth. I make more money now, but that's because I work in multiple different sources of income. But um, I would encourage people to really make sure that's what you want to do. Follow your passion. Follow your gifting. What are you good at? What do you like to do? Because that's where your success lies. It doesn't lie in a paycheck. The paycheck will come after you discover yourself. That's what I would encourage people. Have self-discovery. Realize what you're passionate about. Realize what you hate. Because a lot of times what you hate is what you're supposed to solve in this on this earth. Mm-hmm. Something you're supposed to solve. Um, realize those areas of passion. Right? And um, discover yourself. Learn. You know, train yourself. Learn. And then pursue. Say that again for them. Say like what they say. Say it again for the people in the back. What you hate is what. Uh, what you hate is often something that you're supposed to solve, brother. You speaking so a word. Often, you speak- yeah. People often try to say, you know, what? What am I supposed to do in life? And and some of it is attached to what you can't stand, what irks you, what messes with your spirit, and that is what God have called you to have that fiery passion because you got to have that in order to help solve it. So, I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. So as we, we wrap this up, man, do you have any current projects that you're working on or anything that you want to pub? Well, you know, uh, as of right now, I'm, I'm working on uh, an, a major uh, ID movement project that I really can't talk about just yet. I would like to, but I, I, I've learned not to promote stuff before it's time because um, sometimes they don't come out the way you want them to come out and you need to be looking crazy. But one thing for sure that's coming out in uh in January is a new book. It's going to be it's going to be a response to um the voices of the fathers. It's going to be called Voices of the Sons, Letters from the Emerging Leaders. So that's going to be another compilation leadership book of young men that are taking the place of these fathers that are either passing on or just retiring. You know, there's a major transition in the air. And I want to capture the thoughts of our sons in the in the city of Columbus, Ohio, in various disciplines that are doing uh, great things that are taking the place of, of these fathers that are moving on. And so they're writing about their thoughts, writing about what has changed their hearts and their lives and uh, what the next generation needs in order to lead properly next. So that's going to be the next ID Movement book project that's going to be out in January, as of right now, we're slated for January. 
um, but a big, big event, big, big event coming at the end of next year for the IDEA, October 2021. I love it. So for all my listeners on my website, I'm going to go ahead and post your books, of course. Um, and I'll put his social media handle so you can follow him and be looking for this event. Uh, definitely want to use this for a platform to spread the word. Proud of you, brother, man. I don't know. Like I told people before, you know, like some of the people I interview, I've known for years. I'm like, but if you ain't my brother before this, you're going to be my brother afterwards, man. So I love it, man. Yes, sir. I see future network opportunities between us because we're, we're like-minded individuals. And like I said, I love you, brother, man. I appreciate you coming on here on your day off. You know, that's what I'm trying to go ahead and give you some time it to spend is with your family. off. <laughs> Hardworking man, man. He's sacrificing time just to go ahead and, and share some wisdom with us, man. I greatly appreciate that, man. Honor. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on the show, brother. Thank you. All right, man. You take care. You too, brother. All right. I hope these authentic stories show different paths to success and provide mentorship. Please be sure to visit us at drjinterviews.com for additional content and social media info. Stay resilient.